I'm Shannon Green, and you're listening to On Extremism, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the causes, manifestations, and responses to one of the most important issues of our time. In this series, we'll talk to top experts, policymakers, and practitioners to understand how we can better counter violent extremism around the world. Our podcast is made possible by the CSIS Commission on Countering Violent Extremism, chaired by former British Prime Minister Tony Blair and former U.S. Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta. For more information on the commission, please visit www.csis.org. Well, we are very honored to have with us on the podcast Musarat Kadim, the Executive Director of the Paimon Alumni Trust and partner of the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership, or WASL. Musarat's impressive and substantial work in countering violent extremism at the grassroots level in Pakistan aims to empower marginalized populations. In some of the most conflict-affected areas of Pakistan, Musarat works with youth and women to promote peacebuilding and de-radicalization through a faith-based approach. In addition to her roles with Paiman and Wasil, she also acts as the national coordinator of Aman o Nisa, a coalition of women leaders throughout Pakistan striving to moderate violent extremism and promote understanding among diverse ethnic, religious, and political groups. Musarat, thank you for joining us today and welcome to On Extremism. Thank you for having me. Well, I think first, just to start off, it would be really interesting to hear more about the work that you're doing in Pakistan and how you got started. So I think I will start with how I started. Uh, Basically, when uh, the area was hard hit by violent extremism some seven, eight years back, that is 2008, uh, youth were really like, you know, in a disarray. They had no idea how to address, I mean, how to handle the situation. And we just thought that since we have been working on this conflict transformation and peace building, we will just work with educated youth. So we started working with the youth from the different universities of Khyber Pukhtunkhwa, that's the northern part of Pakistan, uh, to make them like you know aware of what are the t- different types of issues which can lead to conflict or violent extremism, and how in their own ways as educated youth they they can actually help the communities understand the issues and then uh, come up with the dialogue and mediation so that the re- the the conflict and the small feuds can be resolved there uh, on the spot, not leading to violent extremism. Uh, this is what we. Uh, this is how we started this, and then when we gave them the training, they went back to the communities because our training, our capacity building, is not limited to training halls. We give them actually uh, the skill uh, to go and go back to their communities, talk, start talking to their own people, start like you know creating the space for, for a dialogue within the communities. And when they were actually conducting these sort of community dialogues and trying to create uh, the awareness around the different issues that were faced by the community at that time, that were the security issues, that were the violent extremists, like, you know, were there uh, very active in those areas? I'm talking of 2009 and 8. So they came up with another notion and they said, you are talking to us, we are educated. We, we can understand the situation. But there in the communities, there are people who are like, you know, 
are going to the other side. They are being influenced by the by the extremist groups. And this is the time that in, they need your help and support. Can we bring them in? This positive engagement of the vulnerable youth in 2008. And when we started that, we just thought we are just handling these youth not to become extremists. We want to prevent them from not to become extremists. But in the process, we actually came across some women uh, who just said, my son is innocent. And when you say your son is innocent, we believed in them. And uh, But then when we started talking to her and we started, like, you know, talking, um, digging deeper into the, uh, uh, like, you know, this whole issue, we found out that the son was not innocent. The son was actually, you know, had committed, uh, I mean, a, a heinous crime in the form of hitting a military uh, personnel jeep, killing seven people, seven persons, seven military personnel. And the mother is saying, and, and, and he did this from the, his rooftop. Mother is sitting in the same house, had no clue and idea that what my son has been to, doing all these days or months. So that was the time we said we need to engage this mother. So we started working with some of the women in the areas, and we made them our, like, you know, peace practitioners. We made them our voices in the communities. We built that trust with those, those, those women, and we built that trust with, with the youth uh, so that they become, like, you know, a sort of our rep representatives in the community. But that all happens after we build their critical thinking, we help build their capacity, like, you know, to understand the issues around them and then how to address these issues. And we offer them with livelihood skills. Like I, earlier I said, we can't attract, we couldn't make take these women out of their houses. We could not bring the boys, like, you know, to our center unless and until we gave them these, like, you know, very uh, uh, attractive package of that you will be learning some skills so that you can earn some, li uh, like, you know, some money uh, to pay for your children uh, education or food and the boys to, like, you know, get that sort of respectability in at home and in the community that he's an earning hand. So this was actually the type of package that we offered to them. So it was basically, like, you know, livelihood on the face of it, but inside it was all about life skills and understanding of the issues and deepening like you know their knowledge of the quran and 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 the and the and the text within the context so that they can come up with their own alternative uh, and meta narrative to the extremist narrative but after understanding it uh, this is how we started this whole process of countering violent extremism through community engagement and you've really become a world renowned experts um, conflict disruptor, I would say, and peace builder, but also a champion for the role that women should be playing in their communities as peace builders. Can you talk a little bit more about why women have particular insights and skills to bring to bear to this challenge? So when it comes to, like, you know, uh, from my personal experience, I found that when we started talking to these women, actually these women were already engaged and they were extremist and radical in their own ways because the extremists had already taken them on their sides. And we have in our group some of the women who collected, like, you know, gold and money and, like, you know, convincing the, the, her son and the neighbor's sons to go and, like, you know, fight on the side of the extremist or, like, you know, be a part of the extremist group. So we had these women amongst ourselves. And then we just thought if these women can do it negatively, they can do it, like, you know, the positive side of it. I mean, they can take the, our side 
side also. So they can be like, you know, uh, because they already know the issue. And when we actually talk to them sensibly and we build their critical thinking, hopefully they will become like, you know, part of our, our process of transform positive engagement and transformation. So that's one thing that I learned in the process that when we start talking to women, like, you know, their language, and give them the logic and the reason. And as a woman, I could convince them as well. Secondly, I belong to that area. I could speak their language. I understand the culture also. And, and the third important part was because, you know, they had suffered. So they are suffering. They had suffered a lot in this whole process. They saw, and, and, and we went to them when they were suffering, and we actually did this hand-holding with them. We supported them, and we built that trust with them. So that's why, like, you know, this, this engaging the women became very uh, sort of like, you know, not easy, but at least very significant for us and very important for us because they, they, they suffered. And because of that suffering and the suffering that they saw of the others, they realized that what they were doing was not right. So uh, it is unfortunate that after suffering, the realization, like, you know, occurred. But... In the process, they became our role models for other women because we could then showcase them. They see this is the mother of a boy who did this. Now she is our, she's in our ranks. She is our spokesperson. She is our peace practitioner on ground. And these are illiterate women. Most of the major, majority of the women whom we are working with are, they are semi-illiterate or totally illiterate. So they have, of course, like, you know, they, they do read the Quran, but they don't understand the Quran with its, like, you know, with, in, in two, like, you know, with meaning and with two interpretation and stuff. Secondly, like, you know, these women have never been given a chance to speak to other women. These women have never been given, like, you know, the skill to have a dialogue with their own son. These women have never been actually, you know, given the sort of power to have the money in your hand and then you can decide something on your own in your own house. So these are some of the things that in the process we learned that unless and until you don't give them two types of power. One is the power of money and the other is the power of knowledge. So this was so important that these women, they became like, you know, so effective when they started talking to the son who was already, you know, confirmed on the other side that, yes, he is negative, he is extremist. But when the mother started talking to him, naturally it was for the first time that the boy said, my mother is talking to me in a very different language. So this mother-son relationship was, I think, something new in our communities because, you know, our mothers definitely, like, you know, I'm talking of, uh, of in a very, of talking of the down, very downtrodden society, very impoverished one, where the mothers don't find time even to, like, you know, sit and talk to, to the son. So this was the time when the son realized that, yes, my mother has the power to discuss the issue with me because she now has that authority. And when, she, when he saw, like the mother has got that authority to discuss with me the issue, which my father had never talked to me about, which I could only, like, you know, talk to my friends about or to somebody, like, you know, a clergy or a religious scholar in the community. Now, my mother is speaking to me in that language. That elated her position. That gave her that position to now convince her son. So, like I said, 
But of all these power that I just mentioned, I think the most important one is, and I always emphasize on it, is the economic empowerment, which really, like, you know, gives these women the strength to, to talk to their sons and to their family members and to their communities. And if we really are serious about counting violent extremism, we really need to empower women economically first. At the same time, what you're talking about is really challenging the status quo in your community. And I can imagine that sometimes you've been threatened or face some danger for this work. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you face in doing the work that you do? Uh, in the area that we've been working, uh, actually, first of all, NGOs are taken like you know as Western agents. And they are being taken that they, we are actually following some Western agenda and propagating some Western agenda. And so this, this negative image of NGO itself is like, you know, a sort of a challenge for us when we started working in those communities. And over a period of time, we built that trust because they, they knew uh, that what we are talking is about their misery. What we are talking is about their sufferings. What we are talking it, uh, is about their feelings. And since, like, you know, this was... There, this was, we were talking about their issues and problems, and then not only talking about it, like the government people do it or the political leaders do it. We actually went with the solution. So when the solution was given to them, and they were like, you know, they, they, they now could see the solution, they built up that relationship with us. And it wasn't that easy. Oh, in a process, of course, we came across a lot of problems and obstacles, even from the community. But once they learned, like so much so that when we were used to have these uh, these trainings in our center, the other group would just send some informers, like you know, to sit in our groups and see what we are talking about. And the, then the person, like sitting in our in, in our trainings, would transform and they said, "Oh no, I'm not with you," because what they are saying is sense. It makes sense to me now that less we do need these, like and this is an issue, and we need to address this issue. So there are so many challenges. I don't know how far I can go for when it comes to challenges because in the process, our mobilizers have been abducted by the extremist groups. We had to have a dialogue with the extremist groups to re literally release these mobilizers because they were there on, on, on behalf of the community. They were not doing harm. They were actually doing good for the community. And I like you know, personally believe that when we had a dialogue with these extremist group and we convinced them that they are there to support the community to help like you know you, your your family and, the, and and many other family in the community and educate them about certain issues and specifically when it comes to quran and hadith uh, they were convinced to my surprise so let's talk a little bit about those solutions that communities themselves have generated what have you seen that has really been effective in pushing back attempts by violent extremist organizations to recruit, particularly young people from those areas? See, we call them in our, I mean, nowadays it's called internationally push and pull, pull factors and the root causes of it. Uh, there have been many, like, you know, the push and the pull factors. Some of them being very individualistic, like, you know, they, they were thinking like they have been marginalized, they don't have an access to opportunities, and they, they can't compete with the others, they are aimless, they have no goal in life. 
uh, some felt that they are being ignored within the house um, and in the family because there are seven, eight siblings and like, you know, the mother and the father, like, you know, whom should they be giving attention? And then in a, in an, in an, in an, in an, like, you know, community like ours in an areas like ours, we are everybody, we, we have, we live mostly like, you know, in, in, uh, as joint family system and where there is so many, like, you know, social pressures on, on the, on the parents and of course the others. So they don't find time actually for, uh, for this sort of like, you know, engagement with the children. Um, so the, this was like, you know, the ignored, ignored by the family. So that emotional, ignore, when they, they did not receive that emotional sort of support, they just thought that like they have found a purpose in life to be a part of a group where they have been given like, you know, not only money, but also like, you know, a power to do, to go and, and create fear. So that's one. And since, you know, these young people, they are so energetic, they really want to channelize their energy, whether it is positive or negative. So whichever source, like, you know, offer them to, like, you know, use their energy, they went for, for that. And believe me, when in our case, in the case of, like, you know, the area we are working in, ideology has nothing to do. I mean, Islamic ideology has to lit, very little to do with it. But since the other power was so convincing, I mean, the other side was so convincing, and then they use, like, you know, this religion, they knew that there is like, you know, little understanding of all this concept of jihad and like, you know, the the, 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 the various uh, narrative that they came up with. So they played it very well. And since like, you know, they did their homework so well, their research, they are, I think they are the best of the researchers, I would just say, the other side. They're the best of the psychophants and they're the best of strategists and, and they, their approach is so systemic. And they continuously like, you know, do it. Uh, this, they support like, you know, these, these, these families and these boys to be on their part. And on the other hand, here on the other side, there is a, like, you know, there is no, there, there is no homework, there is no research, there is no like you know, support, there is no strategy, there is no system, system to like, you know, provide the space to those boys, to alternate space to the boys uh, who could be misguided. Who could be uh, who had already been mishandled and who had already been like you know taken to the other side? So unfortunately, our side has been very weak, and that's why I feel that Paman was very well placed because it we came up with the solution, we we came up with the positive engagement of of the youth and the communities and make them realize that they really have to address this issue on their own in their own ways. And secondly, I think we are also I would just claim that we did not only talk to them, we actually, you know, help them in understanding the problems and help them to, like, you know, transform their negative energies into positive ones and help them in channelizing them into something which can help build social cohesion within their communities, which can help them, like, you know, understand why they are important for themselves, for their families, and for their communities, and for their country, and why belongingness to a soil is important for them and for their countries. So this belongingness is so, it, it was so important for us to emphasize on the belongingness, because for them, the belongingness was in the, taken as a larger context Oh, you don't belong only to Pakistan. You have the larger, like, you know, playing field. And don't, why don't you go there and do this and that? So that's it, like, you know, this belongingness to the soil of Pakistan for us was a challenge that we really had to work on their hearts and minds. And then they were all anti. They were anti-army. They were anti-security agencies. 
they were of course they were anti pakistan they were anti uh, ethnic groups and anti like you know sectarian some sectarian groups it was so difficult to make them pro pakistani pro military pro other ethnic groups make them tolerant to other sectarian groups so it is a long long story of like you know of perseverance of commitment of zeal but we made it well so i want to ask you about that process of making it because you were doing this work before there even was this concept of cve that has gained so much momentum how has your partnership with the women's alliance um, for security leadership helped sort of create those connections with other practitioners, with the global community that's been working on these issues um, for the past decade or so? Yes. Uh, when we started this, it's just 2008. CV was not carved out yet. And, like, you know, the international community had very little knowledge of, like, you know, what's going on in Pakistan. So I always thank ISIS for bringing, like, you know, the foreign fighters and the violent extremism issue to the to the Western capitals. And now everybody's talking about it. So when I say I said it on the UN General Assembly Forum, thanks to ISIS, everybody was just, like, looking at my face. What this, the hell is this woman talking about? So, uh, yes, when it comes to... I think I would really uh, appreciate uh, my international partners in this. And I would not forget the, um, of course, ICANN, Sana Mandalini supporting us uh, and helping us, uh, of course, like, you know, at different levels. And then, of course, uh, the, the the people who introduce us to at the international community is the, in, the Institute for Inclusive Security as well. So I think we started working with them first because they brought us to this, like, you know, to, to these different colloquiums. And they, they heard for the first time that, oh, Amman is working around countering politics, I mean, de-radicalization and transformation. So with Wassel, I think it is, it is a, it's a very beautiful relationship. In a beauty, um, in a sense of that sisterhood, uh, beauty in a sense of that learning from each other, and beauty in the sense of that, like, you know, we all had been facing these problems, but we never had the platform to share, to, 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 to learn from each other, to like, you know, open our hearts to each other that this is what the issue had been with us. So do you have a solution? Do you, do you know how to address this? And in the group, like, you know, there are varied variety of, like, you know, uh, women coming from different uh, sort of backgrounds. Some have more, uh, like, you know, capacity than the others. So this is, again, this relationship of sisterhood is like, you know, one is leading, Nobody's leading. We are all following each other. And we are all, like, you know, moving as a, as a group, as, as friends and as sisters. And we are there with, for each other in time of need and in time of crisis. So it's a support system that we have evolved for ourselves at the, at the regional and international uh, forum. And we conceived it when we actually were talking about it, like, you know, for almost five years that, oh, this is the women from Syria suffering and the woman from Egypt is now being, like, you know, detained. And now how can we help and support her? So I can, of course, definitely came up with this Wassel uh, forum and Wassel platform. And it is not only just we talk. We actually, you know, do things on ground. Uh, we support each other on ground. And it is like, you know, the a vision is there. The vision is there, but this that vision is being translated into action as well. And that's the most beautiful part of it. Because we just thought that we will be coming together, so we are going to listen to each other's story. But then what's, what's next? How, like, you know, these stories can be supported and helped so that action can be done on ground to address the problems that we have all been facing.
So that's the beauty of Wassel. And I think Wassel is unique in its, its form and its shape because it's the only entity in the, in the world where women affected by violent extremism, women practicing actually, I mean, you being, you know, facing it on daily basis, and then women who themselves have provided the solutions and the answer to address violent extremism are there at the platform of Wassel. So Wassel provides them that forum. So it's unique. And it's because it's the women of South coming together, learning from each other, sharing their experiences. Uh, that's the beauty of Wassel, I think. And I, I hope and I wish that it's like, you know, the, the importance of Wassel is realized and recognized uh, globally. You actually anticipated my last question, which is, as the international community really starts to elevate CVE and its focus on prevention, what do you hope that policymakers and people who are thinking about spending money and have the resources for CVE think about when they sort of move forward and when they think about what kinds of organizations to collaborate with on the ground and how to support the work of organizations and efforts such as your own? I think I said it there as well. If, if the international community is serious about countering violent extremism, there are best practices like ours also on ground, uh, which can be replicated and which can be actually you know, taken as model uh, to other countries. And even in our country, it can be sustained and it can be replicated in other parts of Pakistan, which where extremism is on the move and which extremism is like, you know, growing and deepening, like, you know, in some parts of Pakistan. Uh, so, um, but but my, uh, my point over here is, see, when they see a success story, like in our case, we have been extremely successful. For the seven, eight years that we build that trust with the communities, and especially like, you know, with the youth and the Mother's Peace Group, who are now becoming very effective in their communities, uh, we have been stopped from working in that area. So who can help me? I have to help myself. Nobody is going to come for my, to my rescue. Nobody is going to support us and help us. But what we really need is continuous funding, if not for that area, for other areas, so that we can, if it is not through through this CVE stuff, we can actually, you know, do uh, a CVE relevant stuff. Not because we are the only organization which can claim that we have been doing CVE specific work for almost eight years without even realizing it at that time we started it. So now we can actually, you know, maybe if the people are not happy with our CV specific work, we can do a lot because, you know, please, I would like to share my experience with anyone who is interested in like, you know, doing, uh, taking our model and implementing it there in their countries. We would love to share like, you know, what we have learned, what we have learned from our mistakes, how this model evolved to be the most effective ones and in encountering violent extremism in responding to like, you know, the early early warning signs and early indicators of warning extremism, how we actually, how we 
actually did this. I would love to actually share the, the this model with anyone uh, who is interested in it. We, I mean, like, you know, I'm talking of the whole of PAMAN. My PAMAN organization has is so resourceful. It is like, you know, it has got so much skill and knowledge now. And we would love to share it with anyone who is interested in taking up this model and implementing it in their own countries. And it is all not relevant to violent extremists, like, you know, that we are talking of ISIS and Daesh, but it is very helpful in the in, in the gangs, like, you know, like in Colombia. Uh, some people took our idea and they are now working on it in Colombia and they said oh I see this is so good like you know you are engage, you engage the community you engage the mothers and then you actually you know try to help them in understanding the issue and build their capacity so the international community has I mean the donor community the internet I mean the government they really have to get serious about it they there are models in the world there are of course like you know best practices in the world which they can of course take up to to another level and to other countries and to other regions if they are serious about it and if some of our listeners want to learn more about that model is there a website they can go to to find some of those best practices or if somebody's out there hearing you what could they do as a next step if they're interested uh, they can unfortunately we could not put uh, some of the stuff on on our on our website but of course we have the the website and they can approach us uh, through the website they can contact us we have our email address and everything there we can definitely help them we have been actually so many uh, like you know researchers so many uh, like you know organizations have been getting uh, to us and we have been providing them with a lot of uh, material and resources because it's not only the training material it's not only the narrative the alternate narrative that we have developed over a period of time we have so much like you know stuff for community engagement we have the tools how to engage and convince the community we also have the posters and like you know the and the the you know you call it the education and the the IC material the information education and communication material which is so focused on all these issues and that can help them in understanding not only the issue but addressing it as well so the website is there and of course the contact details are there on the website Thank you so much, Mosart. We've really benefited from having you on the program. And I want to thank you for the courageous work that you're doing and will continue to do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sharon, for having me here.